0: Hello, you're plugging into the Evolution Sermon Podcast. We're so excited to share with you another awesome message from Pastor Charmaine. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you at church. So, um, this afternoon, the title of my message is Carry the Burden. Everyone say, Carry the Burden. So, we're about to go to break. For a whole weekend, okay, to give the senior leaders the opportunity to strategize and to plan for 2020. Okay, as you know, uh, those of you that are new, we're in the middle of a a big transition in our church. We just changed our name, and it's been a season of even uh, transforming our trajectory, thinking about our values in a very deep way. Taking time to change our policies, our systems, the way we do church in order to reflect those values, okay? And so we were really excited to share the vision with you and uh, launch this new uh, name and even the new logo, right? Which we're still keeping very close to our heart because we, we really want to, to just chung it and grow, you know, but unfortunately, those services have had to be pushed back. And so, this time, because of all the slowdowns, we want to take time to really assess and re-strategize well because we want to pace this well, this transition, uh, so that it gives us a, a, a good launching, uh, launching uh, period for our journey, okay? But we're also, listen, taking a break, not just for our leaders to strategize, but because we also realize you guys need a chance to assimilate all the stuff that you've been thinking about or growing in. Amen? Yeah. You know, in, all, in the midst of all the chaos that's been happening, you know, one thing after the other, Christmas and CNY and then now the virus, you know, we realise that even though you guys want to jibe, you haven't had a, a really a lot of time to really sit down and decide, you know, on the thoughts that you've consolidated, who you want to be and what you want to do in 2020. So, so we kind of, but at the same time, we kind of had a lot of space because of the chaos, right? Chaos is for incubation. Yeah. You know, sometimes we're not allowed to do things immediately because we're held back by all this chaos. But kind of, you know, God sometimes kind of allows it, you know, He allows changes so that you have no choice but to slow down and to think and to rethink, So that you can make a better rather than rush and hurry plan for yourself for 2020. So this chaos is not just an inconvenience. It's also an opportunity, amen? But in the midst of deciding who you want to be and how you want to succeed at being you this next couple of weeks, I also want to take some time to inspire you before we go to break, okay? As I always try to to challenge you, that the best you you can be this year is a significant you. So this week, I want to inspire you not just to think about how you can make money or succeed at your career this year, but how you can make an impact by learning to be someone that carries the burden, by carrying the call of your life from God, by carrying the abilities that He's given you by carrying the vision of this church, by carrying the philosophy and the values of the Bible into whatever success that you are trying to achieve in 2020. Yeah. So if you have your Bible, take out your Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 to 30. And we're going to look at some of the words of Jesus, okay? It says here, Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me, I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. Verse my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. So, Listen, in the course of my life, I've had the privilege of being able to travel to to many places, you know, for for church, for mission trips, and some of these places have been First World Nations, where cities and churches look very much like the city and church that we live in, that we know, amen? But I've also been to a lot of Third World Nations, or rather, you know, developing nations. Now, I have to admit, I have a problem with sometimes those terms, okay? Okay. I take issue with it because sometimes it assumes that, that, that third world nations and developing nations are supposed to look like us because we are first world and we are developed, right? Yeah. Rich, capitalists, we have a very narrow idea of success. Yeah. But listen, you know, I have realised that there is such a thing as, as physical poverty, which is what they experience in third world versus our kind of poverty, which is poverty of the soul and poverty of the mind we have poverty of soul and poverty of mind. So sometimes I'm not sure whether we should be called First World Nation in that regard. But, 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 but let me get back to my point, okay? So one particular trip, I digress. One particularly memorable trip was to Myanmar where I was in the capital of Yangon. And at that time, I was 17 years old, so I don't know what it looks like today, but I was 17. And it was my first time, you know coming up close and personal face to face with the perspective that my experience of being a youth in Singapore, all my comforts and privileges was definitely not a universal experience for other youth around the world. Now, at this point in my life, I will say I have been to other mission trips and I have been in the slums in Philippines, seen families in poverty but for whatever reason this particular trip left a very very deep impression on me it's funny right you can go on these trips see the same thing and yet you know if our heart isn't great or the trip isn't facilitated well or i don't know at the moment your stage of life season of life is just mismatched right maybe you're in a self-absorbed season of life which youth and young adults can be in a lot of times right You could go on thought-provoking trips and yet come back having learned very little (laughs) and changed very little. But this trip in particular at 17 was very different for me. My heart was in the right place for God to speak to me. And so we were at the train station in Yangon, uh, which was the capital. I'm not sure if it's still the capital, but it was the capital at the time. And we were at the train station, the main central train station in Yangon. And as we were waiting for the train, I spotted a group of kids, about five or seven of them, and they looked, all of them looked no older than eight, nine, ten years old, okay? The oldest among that group was a boy, and he was carrying a baby on his back and holding the hand of a younger kid. The second oldest was a girl, and she had a toddler on her hip, And the rest who were old enough to walk were tagging along and they were all carrying, you know, uh, bottles like mineral water bottles or Coke water bottles or like, you know, the big uh, uh, jugs. I don't know where. Sometimes, you know, it looks like you put oil but it's actually for water, right? Okay, and, and, and they were really skinny. And some of them had round bellies. And now that I'm older and I understand poverty, you know, you guys know round bellies happen because of malnutrition. And... As I've done many, many trips, I have realized that kids in poverty who look eight or nine years old, they are actually probably 11, 12, or 13 years old. They just don't have enough nutrition to grow normally. So these two older kids were struggling, they were holding the other kids, and they were all carrying these used, dirty old plastic, 1.5 liters, some bigger uh, water bottles, and they they struggled to, to get to this pipe that was along the side of the train tracks where the trains were parked, okay? And so I walked over to get a closer look because the train station was pretty small and I realised, uh, as I walked over, my, my view opened up and I realised that these kids were living in a little cardboard shelter just next to the train station office. And there were two or three more other kids there, Okay. And these kids, this group, were going to get water from a broken pipe, which later I will learn that this particular pipe brought in water, raw water, in order to cool the trains. Okay, because it's not an electric train. Uh. I know all of you thinking MRT right now. Untreated raw water, okay? So, so back then in Myanmar, you couldn't drink water from a tap. I don't know if you can now, but back then you couldn't. So the distance from... Their home to the pipe wasn't very far. But nevertheless, they struggled to get from there and back because they were carrying the other children. Because while they were filling the bottles up, the oldest kid kept turning around to check on the rest of the kids back at the shelter. And then when they had filled the bottles, as you can imagine, they had to lug an even heavier load back to the shelter. So that scene is seared into my brain for obvious reasons, okay? One, it's seared into my mind as a challenge that one day we will do something for children with burdens too heavy to bear. But two, for today, I want to use it as an illustration for what it actually means to carry a burden in our lives. Now, the word burden, the English word burden, means or some of the meanings is a load, typically a heavy one. A duty or misfortune that causes worry, hardship, or distress. Three, the main responsibility for achieving a specific aim or task. That is the definition of the English word burden. Okay? Now, let me tell you about the word burden as it's used in English translations of the Bible, now specifically the CEB, okay? The, the The common English Bible is which is one of the Bibles that our church is switching to, okay in the CB Bible, the word appears thirty nine times twenty five times in the Old Testament and fourteen times in the New Testament. and in all these appearances it is used three ways, okay One is the typical way we tend to use it even today, which is in reference to relationship dynamics and economics between people or parties. For example, when we say to a friend, I don't want to burden you with my problems, right? So that's the first way. The second way is the Bible uses it always in reference to oppression, to serious oppression, things like sin, pain. Uh, sometimes it replaces it with the word yokes that, that burden us down and bend our backs, okay? And finally, the third way it is used very prominently is in reference to leadership, in reference to the call of God to make people your burden. So, so leadership, the call of God, and people your burden, guess what? Those three things are synonymous as far as God is concerned. The call of God really, if you think about it, the mission of Jesus, and therefore it's also our mission through the commission and commandment, is, is to make people our burden. Yeah. To make responsibility for humanity our burden. And, and when we do that, that responsibility is leadership. Yeah. So leadership, listen, isn't just being a senior pastor or a CEO or a CGL in church or a manager at work. Leadership in essence, in philosophy, in heart, is taking responsibility for lives. And that is what God's kingdom is, isn't it? Right? Responsibility for lives, for souls, for eternity. But here's the thing. Nowadays, leadership has predominantly become a badge, a label, a title. You know, our church is in a stage of ministry where we have many young adults and youngish adults. And so in the last five years, suddenly, okay, when I used to be doing youth all the time, suddenly I've had to do a ton of career mentoring. You know, work and leadership, advice for work, okay? And, and when I talk to you guys these past five years, I'm always astounded. I know I shouldn't be, but I'm always astounded by the amount of bad leadership and management there is out there in the world. Yeah. And it keeps getting reiterated to me that not all leaders or managers are actually carriers of burdens, of the vision of their organization, of the people in their organization, you know, you know, and, and what makes it so confusing is that badges and titles and, I don't know, company and ministry T-shirts, right, with slogans, often give the appearance of carrying a burden. Because badges and titles and T-shirts, I don't know, they describe what the person is responsible for. Right? I mean, but, but you understand what I'm saying, right? How many of you have walked into a place and the service staff are wearing a T-shirt that says, don't worry, I've got this. (laughs) But in the course of your visit to that place, you eventually start to go, but do you really? (sighs) Because just because a person wears a badge or prints a title on their name card, it doesn't mean they carry the burden and the vision of a place. So what is carrying look like, and I'm going to use that to describe to you what it means to carry a burden, okay? Number one, carrying affects your walk. You know, when teenagers and youth in Myanmar carry burdens too big for their frame, you know, a toddler on their back, a baby on their hip, a giant bottle of water in the other hand, it changes their body, their growth, and their development. You know, they're probably grown up now. They are grown up right now. And I imagine that these kids, when they grow up, many of them will have orthopedic issues. You know, maybe a permanent tilted pelvis. Maybe one hip higher than the other, one leg longer than the other because the load, that they carried repetitively as a kid as they were growing didn't just change their walk to the pipe in that moment. You know, didn't just cause them to struggle in that moment. But it changed over time their body permanently. Right? You know, poverty, people like to say, you know, just give them an education, get them out of it. But the fact of the matter is, repeated burden of poverty affects people's brains. It affects people's bodies. It affects the development of their values and relationships, emotional resiliencies, right? Their maturity. You know, when women in Africa, and I've been to Africa too, and one of the ways, you know, some of them carry it on their head, right? Certain, certain tribes, but some, will carry stuff on their back and have this strap that they strap around their head to carry the burden. Yeah. You know, and when I see that, I will imagine, you know, you know people in, in, in Morocco, there's a girl, women called uh, the cargo women, and they do this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Their job is to carry cargo from place to place. And I imagine that over time, it changes the bones and muscles in their back and in their neck And I would imagine, you know, sometimes the steeper the hill they have to climb, the more someone would have to bend over to cope with the incline. And at some points, the load will feel so heavy that people have to put it down and sometimes just drag it along the road because they're so tired. Because carrying a burden, a heavy load, affects your walk. It affects your journey. It affects your appearance. It can affect your style even. It governs your time. It will often slow you down. And that is why not many people in life, even though they carry the title, they don't ever genuinely ever learn to carry a burden. Because they know it will change their walk. They know it might even make a negative impact on their lives. So, you know, it's very interesting if you study the literary context of Matthew 11, you know, oh, it was so exciting studying this, you know, this, this week. Exciting, okay? But I can only give you a little bit. Is that all right? Yeah. So, if you study the literary context... Now, literary context refers to what, what surrounds a passage, okay? Simply, simply put, the simplest one of literary context is what comes before and what comes after in the text. You know, and you study it because... What comes before and what comes after gives you clues as to why Jesus was talking about this idea of burdens. So, so further up before the verses we read, a very unusual chunk of verses appears, okay? That used to perplex me. I'm going to read it today in a message version because it's just slightly easier to understand, okay? Jesus says this, Matthew 11, verse 16 to 19 in the Message Bible, to what will I compare this generation? It is like a child sitting at the marketplaces, calling out to others, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a funeral song and you didn't mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. And yet the human one, referring to Jesus himself, came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunk. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved to be right by her works. So, and then he goes on a little bit more elaboration, scolding them about how hard their hearts are. And then he goes, come to me, all you who are struggling. My yoke is easy to bear, my burden is light. So, what is Jesus dealing with here? You know, it's, he's not dealing with isol- in isolation with the struggles we, we bear in life, all right? You know, he's not just dealing with that, you know. He's not just asking us to come to him for help. He's actually also rebuking the behavior of some people who refuse to carry. You know, he describes them as, well, the Message Bible describes that. I don't know whether Jesus described it as that. But he describes them like whining children. Who go, and let me put it in a way you can understand, right? Who go, God, I did this, but you didn't celebrate me. God, I'm going through this difficult funeral-like situation, but you didn't feel sorry for me. (laughs) And then he says, these same people, when God sends different people with different approaches to call them to take on his burden, they give all kinds of criticisms to excuse themselves. John comes calling them to repent, and they say he has a demon. So Jesus comes calling them to rest. And he says, well, he's a drunk and friend of sinners. But the bottom line is, they don't want to carry Jesus' kind of rest. Why? Well, listen very carefully to what Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. How? Listen, verse 29, put on my yoke. And learn from me, I am gentle and humble. And you will find rest for yourself. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. You know, they don't want to carry because Jesus is, they, want, they don't want Jesus because Jesus' kind of rest is to carry burdens. So, so God, Jesus will take away our yoke of oppression. But then he expects us to put on a new yoke The yoke of his example. The yoke of his attitude, his way of life. The yoke of building his kingdom instead of all kind of kingdoms on earth. So Jesus' sort of rest is very, very different. So he does give us rest and deliverance from oppression like he did the Israelites from Egypt, right? But the rest he brings us to that's depicted in the Old Testament as the promised land, right? It requires change. It requires a change of attitude. It requires a change of perspective. It requires getting rid of slavery and a spirit of victimization in our hearts. It requires us to go into the promised land and to conquer the land, and that is what God defines as rest. Conquer and build. Right? Right? So, Jesus' kind of rest also requires us to carry. So, a lot of people never really ever carry. Because carrying requires us to give up comfort. It requires us to give up privilege. To bring about a new world, you know, it sounds awesome and wonderful and it's really in trend right now. But it requires caring, standing up, being a voice for change. You know, all those things, you know, it costs you something. You know, even just, listen to me, just changing the culture in your school and your workplace, influencing change there among a few people or department, it requires time, effort, risking your existing credit, jeopardizing your current reputation and standing in relationships with people. Right. So, leaders don't walk the way others do. They travel with a burden, and then can only walk as fast as their burdens allow. And some of these burdens can potentially change us permanently. In fact, I'll go so far as to say it should change you permanently. You know, I've been sharing this with the leaders lately as one of my reflections, you know, sharing with them that in order to be a true leader, you need to come to a place in your life where you embrace the burden. And you know, for myself personally, being a leader of this church, one that genuinely carries the burden of vision, you know, it, it doesn't come naturally all the time, you know, and, and I got to tell you, carrying the burden as a leader has definitely changed me in a lot of permanent ways. It has slowed down my life. It has slowed down my bank account. It has given me overwhelming anxiety regularly. It has made me more masculine because being a woman leader in a church world, I've had to learn to lead men. It has changed my body because of how physically tiring it can be. And, you know, there have been moments in my leadership where I used to wonder, and and for multiple periods at a time, sometimes, you know, is this a good thing? But then I also go now, older and wiser, I go, you know what, it has slowed down my life. So I know how to reflect and make good decisions about what really matters in life. You know... It has made me go through very painful discouragement and failures and disappointment, but it's taught me how to weather them and be strong. It has given me anxiety, but also taught me how to handle anxiety. And all these things have now become some of the best messages of my life. It has changed me into a leader with something to offer the church and the world. Something that is different from just typical church and typical Christianity. You see, understand this, your burden that sometimes you resent is your leadership. So my question to my team this year and today to you is, what are you carrying? You know, we can say, I lead youth, I lead young adults, I lead the worship and creative arts department, I lead the church experience team, but has it changed your walk? You know, we can say, I'm a Christian, I've accepted Jesus, I'm a member, card carrying member of the evolution. But what are you really carrying? Are you carrying Jesus' yoke? And is his burden changing your walk? Are you just showing up for duty or are you carrying? And is that yoke and burden of ministry and serving others changing your walk? Because, you know, there's another passage about burdens in the Old Testament. And it's about Moses and his team of leaders, right? And so let me just give you the context before I read you the verses. Moses and Israel are out of Egypt. Moses was once the prophet who spoke on behalf of God and delivered them from Pharaoh. Exciting, right? He didn't have to do very much, just raise his stick and... (sighs) Miracles. Red Sea parting, woo, right? But now, out of Egypt, God puts a new burden on him. The burden of leading two million people. He has to govern, administrate, create rules... You know, laws settle disputes, feed them, deal with them. They're whining, right? Yeah. And eventually, it reaches the point where Moses is exhausted. He burns out. Yeah. Yeah. And so, he's burned out. And then that day, the, the, the people of Israel decide to be kind of like irritating again, right? And so, Numbers 11.10 says this is what ensues. Moses heard the people crying throughout their clans, each had Their tense entrance. The Lord was outraged and Moses was upset. But verse 11, Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated me, your servant, so badly? And why haven't I found favour in your eyes? You know, for you have placed the burden of all these people, these people on me. (laughs) Did I conceive these people? Did I give birth to them? He's very dramatic. Right? That you would say to me, carry them at the breast as a nurse carries an unweaned child to the fertile land that you promised your ancestors. Where am I to get meat for two million people? They are crying before me and saying, give us meat so we can eat. I can't bear these people on my own. They are too heavy. If you're going to treat me like this, God, please kill me now. If I have found favor in your eyes, then don't let me endure this wretched situation. I mean, we can relate, right? When we're tired, we get really dramatic. But it's also really true. So, verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, Gather before me 70 men from Israel's elders. You know, actually, I'm just thinking right now, you know, if I were Moses, you know, you know, I'm reading this objective, i got, hey, God is as angry and tired as you, but He's the solution. So anyway, right. Gather before me 70 men from Israel's elders, whom you know as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the meeting tent and let them stand there with you. Then I'll descend and speak with you there. I'll take some of the spirit that is on you, Moses, and place it on them. Then they will carry the burden of the people with you so that you won't bear it alone. So, lesson for us here, right? First thing, not all of us who wear badges and carry titles are leaders. So, here in this story, there are 70 men who are known as elders and officers of the people. And yet, the Bible tells us Moses was shouldering the burden alone. Lesson for all the managers and leaders that work here, right? Sometimes you feel exhausted because not all the people who supposedly carry the title of leader or core or your family or team are carriers. And that is why you feel tired at work. Right? Because our work portfolios assume that everyone carries. But in in reality, not everyone does, yeah. and in the context of Christianity, it's the same. Jesus calls all Christians to carry, but not everyone does, yeah. and that is why we say in our church, right? One of our, our models is everyone, period. PR very yell about the period. Are you here with me? So one of the meanings is for us, everyone means everyone is included in God's house. That's one of the things that you guys love about our church, right? But it also means that everyone is involved. Everyone should become a ride or die in your own way for Jesus and for our church family. Now, and how do you know if you're a carrier or a leader, not your badge, not your t-shirt, not your title. But the question is, is carrying changing your walk? So, so listen to me, if it is, and right at this moment right now, you feel a little bit tired, a little bit exhausted, don't feel bad. Don't get upset. Don't, complain, don't break down. If you do a little bit, that's okay too because God still loved and used Moses. Yeah. But don't feel bad like there's something wrong with you because this uncarrying should change you. Sometimes tire you and sometimes exhaust you. But remember, remember very clearly God's intention is not for the burden to exhaust you. It's just that sometimes we carry the burden with the wrong yoke. God's intention is for everyone to carry with the right yoke. You know, when everyone, and, and and when everyone carries, the burden is lighter. Because the burden is shared. And when everyone carries with the right yoke, it becomes even lighter. Because the atmosphere is we are in this together. Are you here with me? So listen. When everyone carries, now this is true, I don't know whether it's the right phrasing, but it's true qualitatively, it is true quantitatively, that the burdens become lighter. Right? Because when there's more persons in the team to carry the same load, the project is easier. Church is easier. There's more time and energy and responsibility to spread over everyone. But it's also true, listen to this, that you can have a lot of people, but when some refuse to carry, it's not just less people to carry, it also becomes a subtraction on whatever energy and time you do have. Yeah. I mean, you got all that, that, that one dud person, right? That one dud colleague, right, at work, who's like, ayah, let's not set a deadline. You know, ayah, you know, you know, it's not our department's responsibility, right? <laughs> and you just want to kill the guy? Because you know he's trying to smoke and siam responsibility, right? And then when he does things or she does things, right? They, they do it or they do things and, and they do it really subpar, and then in the end, you have to go in and redo. Or worse yet, they make a mess and now you have to not only do their work, you have to clear up their mess. It's always a subtraction. Are you hearing me? Friend, listen, don't be that person at work. Don't be that person in your family. Don't be that person in your friends, among your friends. Don't be that person in church. Don't be that person with a badge, with a t-shirt, or a title only, but refuses to carry. Caring should affect your walk. Amen? Now, second thing I want you to understand, caring is responsibility. So I'm currently in this online uh, mentoring group with Paul Scanlon. How do you know Paul Scanlon? Uh, he was the founder, senior pastor of Abundant Life Church, right? He's the father of, and you guys know her, uh, Charlotte Gamble, right? Okay, amazing woman of God. So, so I'm in an online mentoring group with him right now. And one of the things he, he likes to talk about and write about is the mindset of responsibility that the mindset of responsibility must be a defining value for anyone who is in a team. So, so years ago, like Moses, Paul Scanlon reached a point in his church, Abundant Life Church, where he was burning out angry and upset with his team and with his church. And he said it was just one of the loneliest seasons of his life, and he felt like he couldn't cope with the burden of a church of thousands it was getting to be too much for him. And he was praying, asking God, you know, what was the problem? And he knew, like there was an inkling in his spirit that something needed to be adjusted in his team, but he didn't know what it was. Because people were working hard, the department heads were showing up to work, you know, he had reliable people who showed up on time and they were excellent enough, right? But something he was making him feel lonely and tired and he didn't know what it was. So one day on a weekday, he was strolling through his church praying or something, and, and he was in the auditorium. And as he was walking down the main aisle of the auditorium, his auditorium was carpet, right? He saw in the middle of the aisle a huge stain. And it looked like Coca Cola, possibly spilled during a youth service, or it probably was a youth service, <laughs> right? And it looked like it was weeks old And in that moment, Paul Scanlon said he had a meltdown as a leader He called all his staff and full-time leaders from the office Down into the auditorium, 60 of them And they surrounded this stain on the carpet And he demanded, he said How many of you noticed the stain on the carpet? And everyone's shifting uncomfortably Seven hands out of 60 go up That meant to him, he went, that means 53 people didn't even notice. But he knew someone lying. (laughs) (laughs) And so the next question he asked was, how many of you did anything about it? And of course, that's rhetorical, but obviously they didn't do anything about it, right? So no one raised their hands, just guilty faces all around. And then he asked, how many of you would notice that stain on the carpet if it was in your own home? And almost every hand, went up. So he then said tonight, if you would clean it in your own home, why wouldn't you clean it in God's house? And as he said that, immediately he realized that that was the answer to his problem. He had too many leaders whose attitude was, it's not my responsibility. And that mindset is the defining difference between a carrier and a non-carrier. Whether it's their responsibility or, you know, or their badge. Whether it's their burden or their badge. So, 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 let me point out, you know, isn't that observation kind of indicative of the world around us? When there is injustice, people say, it's not my responsibility. I didn't make poor people poor. When there's a genocide, we go, it's not my responsibility, it's not my nation. You know, when there is racism, it's not my responsibility. I don't have many friends of another race, so I don't even have a chance to be racist. When there is inequity, it's not my responsibility. You know, I'm not against women. You know, I love my wife, my friends who are girls, I have good relationships with them. I'm not the boss. I can't do anything much for women in my company. Or let's just break it down a little bit closer and not so far away. Relevant, but maybe not relatable, okay? Let's break it down to to a life circumstance that's more relatable to you. You know, at work, people who go, it's not my responsibility, it's that guy's portfolio. That girl's portfolio. In church, it's not my responsibility, it's that other department's responsibility. It's not my responsibility, you know, I'm not the CG treasurer. So that person didn't pay, half the CG didn't pay up for dinner, you know, it's not my responsibility. You know, that person, my CG didn't get that money, oh, too bad. The treasurer never do their job. You know, it's not my responsibility, I was not on duty this week. Toilet bit dirty, oh, it's that team. <laughs> Listen, when we do that, we're not carrying. We're not carrying our burdens and responsibilities, we're not carrying Jesus. People who carry notice. People who carry make sure it gets done either by themselves or by someone else. People who carry, you know, we don't have a carpet in church, we have flooring. So, so I can't say if you stay, see a stain, right? But, but if you carry, when you notice that there's litter in church, you will pick it up. You know, I say this to the leadership team. You know, when I go to Heart of God Church, you know, I carry the heart and the, 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 the ministry and the burden and the mission and the love that my, my pastors and leaders have for their church. And so if I walk into the toilet and it's dirty, I will close the cupid door, I'll clean it up, and then I will come out. Nobody knows. Nobody sees. But it's because I carry. People who carry... Take responsibility. They notice, they see, and they do something about it. And here's the thing: responsibility is always the evidence of maturity. I mean, have you ever seen, right, children? Oh, never mind, never mind children, right? Because our church is all young, no children yet. Chinese New Year, maybe you so. saw. But but let's just talk about siblings, right? How many siblings do we have here in church? <laughs> right? Have you ever noticed siblings and how they behave with each other? Let me, let me just tell you my own home, okay? So sometimes, when I'm at home, the whole family is home, Auntie Eleanor will suddenly say, Whose cup is this? Right? And immediately I will say, Not me. And then I'll look at my brother. <laughs> and then my brother will go, Not me, probably dad. And then my dad walks into the kitchen, right? And then my mom goes, Is this your cup? And then my dad says... Shakes his head, no no no, scratch, you know, Uncle Nan likes to scratch. He said, No, not me, not me. <laughs> we would rather argue over whose fault the unwashed cup is rather than to move it. <laughs> are you following? Yeah. You know, human beings, right, when we are childish, we have this tendency, we would rather argue over whose fault it is than do something about it. Have you noticed at school and at work, people will will, will rather argue over whose fault it is than take responsibility to get something done? How can a team or a nation or a church progress? How can your team at work, at school progress? You know, we need to learn to carry and take responsibility. Not blame. Are you here with me? You see, God said to Moses, right, in Numbers 11, 17, what was his solution? He said, I'll take some of the spirit that is on you and place it on them. Then they will, what's the spirit? Then they will carry the burden of the people with you so that you don't bear it alone. So in other words, Moses, Moses, the spirit of responsibility that I put in you, I'm going to take it and put some of it on them. Now, Now, let me clarify for a moment, okay? In case you get around that, I'm not burned out or lonely at the moment, okay? Your pastor is fine. I'm not preaching this like, How dare you not help me build a church? No, I'm not doing that. Okay, I'm happy. I'm fine, right? I'm not, I'm not Moses. <laughs> okay? I'm quite happy because I have a pretty amazing team. But I will say, I do want to elevate our church in 2020. Yeah. And in order to do that, we need to increase the number of people who are carriers in our church. Not just so you can carry the the, the practical building church stuff here in church, but so that you can carry the Spirit of Jesus into your workplace. Because I genuinely, 100% believe this, that when I help you succeed at being you, and I don't mean just making money, I mean your character, your substance, your values. When you do well at work, the church will do well as well. This is not a competition for your time and energy. Are you here with me? But in order for us to elevate, we need to have people who are carriers. So, I want you to be a carrier. I want you to be someone that lifts out God's call and Jesus' yoke on your life. You know, I want you to make the world a better place by changing what is around you. And in order for you to do that, you need to be someone who carries And you need to be with others. In fact, some of you at work, you need to change the culture in your workplace so that you have more people to carry your vision and your beliefs and your values together with you. And then you'll be less tired, and then you'll be more motivated, and then you'll be more excited. You know, and then you will gain back the passion with which you stepped into that job and career in the first place. Because sometimes when there's no one to carry, even the thing that you love becomes the thing that you hate. Amen. So carrying is responsibility. So now is it okay at this point I make a, a slightly sharp turn? Still relevant but sharp, okay? Because I also want to speak to those of us who are in the room whom at the moment are thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, never mind carry the burden. I am the burden. <laughs> you know, maybe you're going through a really hard time in your life. We all go through seasons, right? Maybe you're struggling through some emotional struggles, mental struggles. Maybe you're struggling with your confidence. I know many young people in Singapore that you know that's like number one counseling topic. If I ask that, everyone would say yes. You or, you know maybe today you're even a leader and you carry a title, but you don't feel like you're good enough for that title. Maybe you serve, but you're always thinking that your good is not as good as someone else who's serving in church. Or maybe you're a new Christian, new member in church. I know there are a few of you here, you're super on fire and sold out for the evolution. But as you're, you're, you're being a part of the community, you're thinking, but I'm not experienced enough. I, know the, I don't know the Bible enough to help build the vision. Or, you know, maybe you think you're not capable enough. You know, maybe you feel you're not useful enough. Listen. Jesus does say we have to take on his burden and his yoke. But he also says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads. I will give you rest. Amen.